Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomian Temper and Temporality Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 12. The Editor Inside Nexus Suite 4, either side of the spectacular hub of golden spheres held in a purple web, stood Professor Chronomier and Editor Ravel. No longer confined to his throne, Ravel resisted the urge to stretch his cramped arms, it simply wasn't suave enough, and stood firmly, facing the woman he'd seen a dozen times over within the Nexus. A trail of purple energy still lagged from the back of his skull, leading to the web of power above the throne. It was not as strong as before. Indeed, it was becoming fainter with each passing minute. He did not have long. Nice place you've got here, the professor smiled, hands clasped behind her back. Not sure about the colour scheme. The patterned walls had begun to glow red, sensing the disrupted connection between Ravel and the Nexus. Forgive me, madam, he drawled in reply. I had not expected guests. The professor broke his gaze and took a step around the circular chamber. Then another. And a third. She was testing him. Sure enough, masking the movement as some kind of monitoring of the web, he shifted to remain opposite her. Raleigh, Rivers, Richards, Rutherford, the professor recited. I'll take a wild guess that your real name begins with an R, Mr... Ravel, he offered after a momentary pause. Editor Ravel. Editor, the professor mused. Not a journalist, I trust. I've an eye for a story. I've noticed, she replied, a flicker of anger rising from her stomach. Not your own, though, evidently. He scoffed and indicated the gold orbs hanging in the air between them. What are these if not my stories? I created them. It was never your story to tell. It is now, he said with finality, though the professor was far from finished. You edit people's lives, then. Stick a great boulder in the stream of time and force the water to flow in whichever direction you carve out for it. That's very astute, he offered in mock congratulation. Tired of being the interviewee, he fired back. I scanned your mind in the Nexus, of course, once you began to set yourself apart out from the tedious crowd. I could feel your meddling when you broke free of the divergence. You mastered the control swiftly for someone of an age barely less primitive than Miss Austin's. It's very difficult to baffle an open mind, the professor retorted and indicated the chair. That's just a glorified index file with flashing lights. Powerful, I grant you, but not indecipherable. You and the girl are time travellers. Evidently, the professor said matter-of-factly. We're able to cross between these little alternate scenarios you've weaved together. I should imagine only those familiar with the time vortex can do that. Can't have all manner of Janes crisscrossing around to meet one another. Time travel was an impossibility in your age, and the girl's. Ravel disliked not knowing his enemy. As I said, old thing, an open mind isn't easily limited. 
a fellow inventor. A rare treat, Ravel sneered, and the girl found you along the way. It would be truer to say I had found her, the professor corrected. Ravel scoffed again. No, I think it was the other way around. I scanned her inside the Nexus, of course. Young Astrid has quite the history. The professor's veins chilled. What do you mean? A satisfied smirk crossed Ravel's face. He would leave her in darkness on the matter. So much for an open mind. Sensing more questions about the launch over the horizon of conversation, and always irritated at being on the back foot, Ravel continued. I had thought at first you and she were members of the agency, he offered, taking a step towards the throne and regarding the faltering purple strand linking him to the web of power. To his annoyance, she did not move away, but also took a step towards the throne. What agency? asked the professor. The agency, Ravel stated, indicating the room. Your employers? For now. When this operation is through, I'll be running the place, he muttered. The agency of editors. Meddling in history for what ends? The professor answered her own question, taking away the satisfaction before Ravel could claim it. Money, I should think. He said nothing, allowing his silence to speak for him. Of course, said the professor wearily. Mercenaries, are you? Slaughtering the great and good simply because this box of tricks means you can. Anyone can destroy things, Ravel said with simmering anger at her words. There are wraiths for that. But changing things, reweaving the tapestry of time so that no one sees the alteration. That's art, Professor. It's repulsive. You have no right, she replied, her own anger rising. She cut herself off and took a breath. And what for? The glory? The writing, he said simply, enjoying the look of confusion it inspired. The agency don't go around slaughtering people on a whim for a bag of gold like glorified pirates. He leant forward and tapped control on the arm of his chair. A holographic image appeared between himself and the professor, the front page of a book, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. That's a far greater treasure, wouldn't you agree? But who profits from it? Within a hundred years of its publication, everyone, and therefore no one. Its value is degraded through lack of ownership. But if we could take possession of it, sole possession, why, we'd make a fortune. The professor glared at him, beginning to understand Ravel's scheme. However, we can't simply remove works of fiction, nor the author, from time. Think of the paradoxes. A thousand beasts from the vortex would swarm into feed, and then nobody's left to spend the money. But suppose a very clever and capable time traveller went back to 1817 and took a copy of the mind of Jane Austen before she tragically died. These last two words were sneered with affected sadness making the professor's anger churn. A copy of a mind like a power source brought centuries into the future to keep those works of fiction all present and correct. A copy of her timeline preserved and controlled. Then suppose that time traveller opened up a window into history and made sure Jane Austen never wrote a word of her precious novels. 
lived some boring, unremarkable life full of excruciating letters to her dearest sister, but nothing of literary worth. No more pride and prejudice. Except in the future, of course, where we have the manuscripts ready and waiting to be sold as we, and only we, see fit. All held in balance by the copy of her original timeline. The same copy used to change her history in the first place. It's clean cut, you must agree. For a moment, the professor said nothing. She breathed uneasily, trembling almost. It's still a paradox, she said at last. If you change her past, the version of history, the mind you copied in 1817, wouldn't be the same one that created the novels. The books still cease to exist. Jane Austen still ceases to exist. Oh, you can't be that naive, he groaned in boredom. Remove the original, and the copies and alternatives all follow. Primeval. You could navigate the nexus, but you can't comprehend the metaphor of copying and pasting a computer file. Pathetic. This nexus of yours, the professor responded. All these different Janes. Why? Surely you only need to change her life once to negate her literary career. As I said, it's an art. It takes finesse. Removing a chunk of time and patching it up with different threads so that it can't unravel requires a master artist. Someone who can explore every possibility, edit every chapter of the story until the new narrative takes hold permanently. Changing an unimportant life takes no effort at all. But rewriting Jane Austen, it's a masterstroke. And all the glory will follow, seethed the professor. Mr. Revell, editor-in-chief, is that the notion? <laughs> it is indeed, he said with a shudder, and leant heavily on the arm of the throne. The professor looked up and saw that the purple thread linking him to the nexus had become far weaker. Oh no, you're overstretching yourself, dear heart, she said with renewed vigour. Bet that monologue took it out of you, didn't it? Better sit back down in your fancy chair, or all that hard work will have been for naught. Ravel dragged himself before the throne and scowled at her. I should have dealt with you. But he was too weak to finish the sentence. You should, my dear, absolutely, the professor beamed. But then ego does that to you. Can't resist the opportunity to show off. And now you're out of time. Tamper with the Nexus out here. And you'll destroy Jane and the girl. Ravel winced, desperately trying to maintain the link. Come after me in there, and I'll cut the girl's throat all the same. Then yours. With that, he sat back down and the purple thread began to thicken. The professor leant over him as his eyes started to close. I am going back in there, she warned. I am going to find Astrid. And then I'm going to find you, every fake you trying to claim Jane Austen for your own. I'm going to dismantle this nexus of yours bubble by bubble, and when I have, I'll come back here for the real you. I will undo your meddling in Jane's life, and when I have, I will rip your agency apart one editor at a time. That is my promise to you, Mr. Ravel. Sleep well. Without breaking her glare, she held up a glass panel like the ones attached to the arms of the throne. I think you'll find I'm a fast learner when it comes to copying computer files.
The Chronicles of Professor Cronomier, Temper and Temporality, an Unbound Theatre production written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson with music by Kevin MacLeod. Thank you.